Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Amen, amen. It's been a great day already. I have a question for you this morning. Do you remember the first time that your parents left you at home alone? I see, I see a couple people shaking their head. How about this? Some of you are like, that was so far long ago, I don't even remember. Do you remember the first time you left your kids at home alone? If you don't remember, let me give you this scenario. There are, I would, so I would uh, just kind of put it before you, there are those moments right before you leave the house or right as you're leaving that you are going to share some things that are really important with your kids. Or if you are the kiddos in the room, that you, you kind of roll your eyes. You don't let your mom and dad see it, but you roll your eyes when they say those same things repetitive over and over. yes. I know, and you know, all this stuff, whatever. So I asked my, my, my kids, they're all adults and grown now, but I said, hey, when we were leaving the house as, as when you guys were growing up, what were those things that we said to you right when, when we were leaving that you're just like, whatever? Chloe, first thing, says, don't burn the house down. Don't light the house on fire. She's like, rolled eyes, you know, and, and obviously, well, duh, you know, that kind of deal. There was, a, a, Chelsea said this one that was, uh, don't open the door for strangers. Don't whatever happens, like if anybody knocks on the door, don't open the door, right? Of course, then she added uh, at the time when when uh, they were, uh, my oldest two were um, at the house before Chloe came along was, uh, hey, make sure you look after your brother to Chelsea and to Chandler. Hey, make sure you look after Chelsea, right? To, to care for each other. Of course, and Chelsea added this, this thing that I, I cannot either confirm or deny that it actually happened, probably more confirm. Yeah, well, then you said that, and then Chandler always ditched me anyway and left anyway. So, you know, it's just one of these things. No matter what you say as parents when you're leaving, you know, some of that is just kind of obvious. But there are those things that you say right before you're about to leave that are really important going on a long trip, right? Maybe you, you've told your neighbor or something. Now, make sure, feed the dogs, right? Make sure, check the mail. There are those things that we say or have been said to us right before someone leaves that's really, really important. We look in scripture and there's this moment in John's gospel, chapter 13, where Jesus says the same types of things to the disciples. He knew that he was about to leave and he had something very, very important for them to hear before this transition took place in his life. We're gonna look at John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 33 through 35 today. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, you can turn in the, on your tablet or your uh, iPhone, wherever you read scripture today, and there's these words that Jesus shared with his disciples that are very important. They come at the, on the heels of him leaving, and I would suppose, uh, propose to you today that they are very important for us to consider in light of the series that we are in called Doing Together Better. We talked last week about how over a hundred times in just the New Testament alone, there are these 
um, commands and these directives that have the phrase each other or one another attached to them. We talked about how that, that's a, uh, really kind of identified by this Greek word called elelon, right? And it meant this reciprocal relationship of how you act towards me and how I act towards you. How we do this one another is really important. It's focused on a lot in scripture. Jesus's final words give us the foundation for how we can do together better. Here's the big idea of this series that we're going through. The way we treat each other is really important to God. It's just really important. It's us as earthly parents saying to our kids when we leave, hey, treat each other well, right? It's really important. And we also understand that we can advance the kingdom of God when we do life together better. Now, let me just answer some questions before we jump into this. Some of you say, well, Pastor John, that seems obvious. And if that's you, then I would say you're, you're one step into the application already. But for some of us, if we're not careful, we can allow the obvious, the, 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 uh, the, the simple, the, the very foundational truths of Scripture to be overlooked, and we dive into um, an, another way of doing things. And Jesus addresses some of those to the disciples today in John chapter 13, verse 33. Let's read. He says, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. I'm about to leave, right? And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you cannot come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Don't burn the house down. Don't open the door for strangers. Don't. This is where it comes in. No, he says this, love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It's an interesting statement. There's a lot of power application in that. There's some simplicity in that. And yet the, the importance of it cannot be overlooked when you understand when Jesus said it. He had, he had lived with the disciples for many years. He had walked along the road. They had seen the way he interacted with people. They had seen the way he interacted with those that we would consider lost people. He has, they have seen the way he interacted with the religious leaders. They've done life together. And here at the end, when he's about to leave, he says, hey, I've got something really important to tell you. It's a new commandment that I'm getting to you. Can, you. can you just imagine the disciples when they heard this? Wait a second, you're changing everything right here at the end? Well, really, he was just articulating what they had seen already in his life, but he was there to, to disrupt their way of thinking and how they related to the Lord. So if Jesus says these words, I'm giving you a new commandment, it would serve to reason that we should ask the question that seems fairly obvious, well, what was the old commandment? What, what are you changing? What are you, wait a second, Jesus, like you're, you're changing the game here. What, what was the old commandment? And so for just a brief moment today, I think it's important for us when we see these real definitive statements from Jesus to understand the context with which they were given. A new commandment I give you, so what was the old commandment? Well, 
back in that day and age when they would have heard that, obviously culture was different. Culture was different in the whole of society and also in the church. This old commandment, the old way, the old um, way that people were to relate to God was really um, uh, founded upon what, what we could describe now as kind of this guideline set of rules and obedience minded uh, how we related to God, the Ten Commandments, right? They're written in stone, thus saith, right? The, the laws of how we do relationship, the laws of how we worship. My goodness, read Leviticus if you need to see some guidelines. And, oh my goodness, whoo, you talk about heavy. Don't, don't, wow, it's just be, just buckle up, right? So there was this old way of doing things, of relating to, to God, and then Jesus comes along and he says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as you have seen me loving you and as you have seen me loving each other and other people, as you have seen me loving and showing love and grace and mercy and justice to the people that I've come in contact with. In the same way, and we sang it, and Pastor Clayton said it just a minute ago, in view of his mercies, right? That we would love one another. But the old way, however, was centered around this obedience, this set of rules, the guidelines. We read a few weeks ago from Deuteronomy and talks about a, a, a prayer that they would pray called the Shema prayer. And this prayer was all about, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, all of that, that, that it was this dedicated to following the law. In fact, later on in that prayer and the application of it, they were instructed to write these guidelines and rules on the doorposts of their house. House, tie them to their person, take them with them, teach them to your kids. And, and it was just this guideline-based system. Here's the problem with only, just stay with me, because some of you are like, wait a second, Pastor John, that, those are still good. Yes, they, yes. So here's the problem with only those guidelines, that they had found a way, as I think sometimes we can as well, find a way to fall in love with the list, the law, and forget the giver of the law. The religious leaders in that time, Jesus called it out. You've, you've allowed this relationship with God to become about checking boxes on a list and you've forgotten the heart behind it. It was possible then and it's possible now to allow our relationship with the Lord to be so about obedience. And my goodness, scripture is, is, is very clear that obedience is necessary. But Jesus was coming into that moment. He says, hey, before I leave, before I leave, I've got something really important to tell you. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. If we're not careful, we can slip back into this old way of relating to God as well. We can keep the law and never have a heart that loves the giver of the law. If we're not careful, that can be our process as well. However, please hear me clearly. This is not Jesus saying, hey, you guys remember the law and all the guidelines and all the ways that, that were there? Just get rid of those. Just love each other. Just, just tolerate everything. Just, 
just love. It, it, no, no, no. Hear, hear me. Understand. Jesus was what he was doing. He was saying, I didn't come to throw that away. I came to give you a new lens through which to see this. I came to give you the why behind the what. I came to get you to understand that the law was there to protect you, to put that in place. My goodness, in, in our earthly situations as parents, we, we know that there are some things we tell our kids and they, they want to know why, but their brains just can't understand it. And we just do the whole parenting because I said so, right? And, and they can't understand it. As they grow and mature, they understand some of those things more. Same way with us. There are some things that God says, hey, I need you to do this. But if we're not careful, we can stay there and always just have the, I got to check the box. I don't know why I'm just doing this. And we fall in love with the law before we understand the heart of the giver of the law. Jesus changed everything. He said, a new commandment I give you And it could all be summed up. Love one another as I have loved you. There's a lot in those statements, right? Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus changed it all. Paul mentioned it this way to the church as it relates to Jesus and the law. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says this. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard. I love the way he says that. By the law. We were kept in kind of protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith in Jesus was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Isn't that encouraging? Jesus added to this idea of new in Matthew's gospel, chapter five. Please catch this. This is great. When Jesus says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to show you the why behind the what. Jesus did, he went even in more depth than this. I love this portion of Matthew. And I'll just give you a little bit more of this, this, this context here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, after the, that statement in verse 17, he made several statements like this to the people. He said it this way. He said, you've heard it said, but I say. In other words, he was saying, here's the old, but let me give you some new nuance to this, this command. What he was not doing is throwing this away. He was adding the heart onto the obedience. And if we're not careful, we can be stuck as immature Christians that just say, I just need to check the box. I just need to do this. I just need to do that. And if we're not careful, then we can be the best United Way, YMCA, whatever social type thing. I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. They do good things. But, but this gospel is about heart transformation way more than behavior modification. Can I say that again? You need to catch that. This gospel is about heart transformation far more than behavior modification. If we get stuck in just this, I need to change my behavior, then we've become the old command. We've become the, become the religious leaders that Jesus was saying, they, yes, the law, but here's the why. It's because you need to love people the way I've loved you. He says in that passage in Matthew 5, you have, you have heard it said, and I say, for instance, one example, he says, you've heard it say, uh, said in the law, don't commit murder. That seems pretty obvious, right? 
He did not say, it's okay, just go ahead and do whatever. No, 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 no. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit murder, you'll be in danger of judgment. But I say, if you're angry with your brother, you're already in danger. Jesus just kind of ratcheted it up a little bit. He didn't lessen the standard. He actually increased it, but gave the heart to the why. He also said over here, you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. He didn't remove that guideline. He said, you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. I say to you, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He was raising the standard, but he was connecting the obedience to the heart. Please get that this morning. You've got to understand that, that Jesus, when he gave this new commandment, he was not removing the obedience. He was attaching the heart to the obedience. That was the new command. So let's go back to this new command. He's leaving. He's about to leave. Don't burn the house down, right? Don't, don't have a party without me, you know, whatever. Of course, my kids got, have my level of sarcasm. They say, you know, we can have the party. We just got to get it cleaned up before you get home. That's the, the addition to that teasing. They never did that I know of. But anyway, Jesus is leaving and he says these words. So now I'm giving you in John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved you? You should wrestle with that. You should wrestle with that. Some of you say, well, I, I don't really know. Well, let me, let me help you. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of, of God's glory. That one day, every person in this room the rapture is either going to take place, that trumpet's going to sound, we're going to stand before the throne, right? Or you're going to die. 100%, all of you, 100%, right? You're going to die. And when you stand before the Lord, your, your righteousness will not be enough. God's a holy and just God. And he said that all have fallen short and fallen short of his glory. How much has Jesus loved you? He knew that one day you would all, we would all stand before the Lord. And he said, I've got you. I've, I'm, I'm going to pay the price for you so that when you, not if you, when you stand before the Lord, I'm going to die on a cross so that your sins, so that my sins can be forgiven. How much has Jesus loved you? He sees right now the things that are in our minds and thoughts that even our spouses may not know, that even those closest to us may not know. He sees those dark places that our flesh is still winning, right? He understands that and he says, for that I love you and I've paid the price for you. He sees the things that are in your past that you have already put under the blood and you have have already asked and received that forgiveness. He sees those things and he says, you know what? You're still my kids. I love you. I know you're rotten, right? But I love you. You're my rotten kids, right? And I'm going to die for you so that you can be made right. We are all sinners 
saved by grace. How much does Jesus love me? He, the, the word says that when while I was still a sinner, he died for me. How much does Jesus love you? He loves you despite of what took place this past week. He loves you despite of that, that feeling that you have towards your, your, your spouse or your, your friend or your mom. Or your, he loves you despite of that. And he says, if you'll allow me the death that I allowed my son, God says about his son, to die on this cross, it will be payment for your penalty. How much does Jesus love you? He loves you big. He loves you so much that he stretched his arms open wide. And he said, no matter what you did, no matter what you are doing, no matter what you will do, my price, the price that I paid is worth you. And he loves you that much. That's a big deal. Love each other just as, not close to, but just as I have loved you. Can you see the disciples? Can you see them in that room when he said that? Can you see them going, oh, wow, this is going to be a little bit tough. I, I, I can put myself in that position and just be real honest and say, man, sometimes that is really tough to, to display that type of love to each other when we're all flesh, right? What Jesus was saying is you have got to be so convinced of my love for you that it comes out in your love for each other. You've got to be so solidified in your stance that I, that look what I have done for you. And because of that, you have no option but to love somebody else. You have no option but to love those that have hurt you. You have no option but to love those that don't love you. He says, as I have loved you. And I got news for you. There's been moments where you haven't, you haven't been reciprocal in that love to the Lord. And still he loves us. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. A new commandment I'm giving you. Love people, love each other just as I have loved you. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I love this statement. Just, just catch this. Jesus was not giving them another command related to obedience. It was directly related to relationship with him first and then with others. Our love for one another will be the evidence of our love for him. Another way to say it is this, our love for others grows wider only to the degree that our love for Jesus grows deeper. Another way, there is no evidence of fruit without the root. There is no evidence of fruit without the root. You said, oh yeah, we can, we can love each other and, and still whatever. You're gonna have fake fruit. And if you're not careful, then you can take this love, love list and put it in place of another list of things to do and miss the heart. Jesus is saying, let it come from your heart. Let it come of an overflow of what I am doing in and through your life. Let me give you an illustration. When we bought our house in, uh, here in Summerfield uh, just a few years ago when we moved here, uh, we were told that there was this apple tree out in, in front of our house. I'm thinking that's pretty excited. I've got a picture of an apple tree. This is not our apple tree, but there's a picture. This was my expectation, right? This is what I thought. I'm thinking apple tree. Like I have pictures of apple crisp. 
of apple pie, of apple cobbler, and, and I promise you at the marriage supper lamb, there will be the best apple butter ever. I mean, this was my expectation. I'm going, oh, Jesus, you have shined. Oh, this is going to be great. Expectation was that. I kidded in the early service that my expectation was that daily, uh, Kim and the kids would skip down the driveway with a basket to pick the red juicy apples, right? And bring in the apples. That was my level of expectation of apple tree. I wanted the apples that were like this. They were just so shiny. And I don't care if anybody sprayed stuff to make it shiny. It just looked great, right? I don't know. And you know, you, you shine it all up and do... That was expectation. Yesterday, yesterday I went out into our driveway to my apple tree and I picked one of the apples, the best looking apple I could find on that tree. And our, now before I do this, time out. (laughs) I feel like the magician who's about to pull a very ill-planned money out of a hat there a little bit. Now last week, if you were here, I used a little bit of an illustration that had to do with science. And we have a lot of very educated people in our church, and you are awesome. I love you. Can you just put science hat off for a second and imagine with me? I know there are no, uh, there are different types of apple trees. Some of you right now, when I pull this apple, you're saying, "Well, I know it's because that's a different type of apple." And you're like, just imagine, just just go to a childlike faith place here with me a little bit and help me with this illustration. I walk out to. The, I'm kidding, because it was just funny. Uh, anyway, so I walk out to the tree last uh, yesterday and picked the best-looking apple I could find off the tree, and this was my apple. <laughs> and, and, and I honestly still was pretty excited about these little guys, because I thought they may be good. A couple weeks ago, I picked one very similar to this off, cut it up, and tried to eat it. Oh, wow, no, 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 not good, not good at all. Now, I know there's green apples and red apples, and I, I get it. I understand it. Here's what I also know, that when you look at a healthy apple tree and you saw the picture, you know, with all the bright, sunshiny, spray-painted apples on there or whatever, um, they're, they're awesome. They're, that's the evidence of health, right? Simple illustration. What do we all know about a tree that has fruit on the branches in order for it to be healthy? It has to have some strong roots that you do not see. Jesus was saying to them, your love for one another will be the fruit, will be the evidence of the roots that you and I have in your love for me and your understanding of my love for you. Only when you grasp how strongly and deeply I have loved you will you be able to show fruit here. You know what's also awesome about the apple tree? You guys know more than I do about this probably, but you know what what an apple tree also needs to bear that type of healthy fruit? Not just the roots. You know what else it needs? Another apple tree (laughs) close by. Because apple trees produce more. Most of them don't produce any. Some of them can produce fruit on their own, but most of them produce more and more healthy fruit when there is another apple tree close by because of what? Cross-pollinization of the insects and all this. Without another apple tree, you'll never get this type of healthy fruit off of that tree. Oh, come on, somebody. Each other, one another, it's really important. When Jesus was saying to us, your 
love for one another will be the proof. It will be the evidence of a healthy relationship. He was not just talking about the roots, although that is the foundation, that is the source from which the fruit comes. He was also, I believe, because of the strength of his each other and one another's, he was talking to us about a similar principle that we see in nature now, that we grow and produce more healthy fruit when we cross-pollinate, when we react with each other, when we relate, when we elelon with each other, when we get this right. But it will not happen without some strong roots. Our love for others grows wider only to the degree that our love for Jesus grows deeper. There's no evidence of fruit without the root. So Pastor John, what does this mean for us today? Well, then we should take those two elements and really apply them to our lives individually. Number one, we should discover or rediscover how much Jesus loves us. You will never be able to, in the fullness of what God's intended, love one another unless you are 100% convinced of his love for you. You know what fights against that sometimes? I say sometimes, probably all the time, is the enemy and the lies of the enemy. Because it happens like this. There's no way he could love you. He doesn't, do you, do you know what you did? That, there is no way that, no, the love stops there. And we don't, when we articulate it that way, we're like, oh, we don't say that, but we live that. We live in such a way that says, I could never be forgiven. How many of you, don't raise your hand, I shouldn't say it that way, but I've heard people say, you know, I could never, I could never go into a church, man, that, the walls will fall down if I walk in there. Oh, dear Jesus, they would have already fallen down if that were the, play, the case, right? We are all sinners saved by grace. He loves us all. And out of that love, then we begin to love others. We got to rediscover how much Jesus loved us. How do we do that? We read his word. We talk about what he has done. We remind ourselves. With, the scripture says that we renew our minds, that, that we should be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. Some of you need to write down those those affirmations in scripture that you are, are beloved. You are a chosen child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made because when the enemy jumps into your life, it's really easy to say, God could never love me. And if he short circuits that, then you will never be able to love each other. And he wins and we divide and we conquer and we attack and do all this, but it starts with the roots. It starts with our understanding of how much Jesus loved us. He paid the way for us. He laid himself down. How else do we know? We spend time with him. We read his word. We pray. We grow the roots. I love what God is doing here in Calvary in the, in the small groups and the home groups. Three of the, the, the ones that we've launched are already full. That's a good problem to have, right? right? That, that means that we're, we're understanding this one another thing at a deeper level. Wednesday nights, we have prayer in here where many people have gathered and just spent time focusing on Jesus and, and praying for, yes, one another, but just getting the roots right first and just praying in that culture. It will begin to produce fruit because Jesus's words come true, right? If you love one another the way I have loved you, then this is how people will know that fruit will come. We discover how much Jesus has loved us. The second thing we do in application, I'm gonna ask the team to come and just several just to help me close here. I'm gonna be brief as I've promised that we would be. Take an opportunity this week 
to show some selfless love to someone else. Be intentional with it. Really put it down. Even if you have to like write it on a post-it and tell your spouse or tell somebody, say, I'm going to do this this week. Now hear me, understand what I said a minute ago, and I believe it's truth in scripture, that, that if you just are concerned with behavior modification, you're missing the gospel. What Jesus was saying is a new commandment I give you, be so convinced of my love for you that you cannot help but loving other people. When you have an overflow of grateful heart, a a, a gracious spirit, my goodness, God loves me so much and I cannot, there's nothing I can do but to show other people love, not because of who I am or because of what I can do, but because he loves me so much, it's the least I can do. And even if you have to tell yourself, I'm gonna love that person because I really don't like them right now, but I'm gonna love that person because Jesus loved me and I'm gonna put my feelings aside and I'm gonna do what God told me to do because Jesus loved me despite I am going to do the same to others. You may wanna take some time this afternoon and just tell somebody the words, I love you. I love you. Forgive somebody that doesn't deserve your forgiveness. Honor them by saying thank you for what you do. Here's a real practical. How about you tip well? I don't know where I wrote that down. It was one of those things that I think it's just so practical. I'm like, you know, how many times, if you ask people that work in the restaurant industry, the worst day of the week for tips, Sunday. Dear Jesus, let us change that here in the triad. I promise you that extra two or three dollars is not gonna kill you, but it is gonna make a difference to that person. You say, oh, Pastor John, you're just attaching another guidelines, a list, so we can check the box. No, no, no. If you need to pray a prayer at that table today, God, you love me so much that I'm gonna let that be a physical demonstration of love for them because you have, so be it. I believe that God will receive glory from that and you don't have to say that to them, whatever, just be a blessing. Honor them by complimenting something they've done. The tension of that is that we get into the mindset of saying, well, I'm just gonna do another list of things. That's not what Jesus was saying. He says, a new commandment I've given you that you would understand the why and it would flow over into the the what. Let us be a people, let us be a church that is so convinced of Jesus' love for us that we cannot help but to love one another. That the world would look at us and they would see the fruit of a healthy body that loves Jesus, that understands his love for us at a greater level than ever before, and it flows out into the, to the fruit that we have in our community. Last verse, it says this in 1 John 4, 12. It says, nobody has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. How's somebody gonna see God this week? Through you. How's somebody gonna understand that your life is different? Through the fruit, through your apology, saying, you know what, I haven't treated you well and it's been a poor reflection of the, the grace that Jesus has shown to me and I need to ask for your forgiveness. We learned this morning in, in God's word, as I'm role playing with you, that says, you know what, I'm, 
There's a new commandment that Jesus gave to me, and I've, I've done a poor job in following that, that, that I, I do love you and I forgive you. It's because of what Jesus has done for me. I can't help but. And let it open a conversation. You say, Pastor John, that's, out, that's awkward. So what? Love one another just as Christ has loved you. Why don't you bow your heads with me, close your eyes, just stay seated where you're at. The truth of it is, is that the relationship that, that we've talked about with each other can only be in full expression if there's a relationship with the Lord. And today, we're gonna pray here in just a minute, but I just wanna pray with you and for you before we go any further. If you're here in this room and you've never began a relationship with Jesus, the Bible does say that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, that he paid the price for your sins and for mine so that we could be in right relationship with God. And all we have to do is admit and confess and believe, and he starts us afresh. And it's awesome. And we get to start this life. If you're here in this room and you say, Pastor John, would you just include me in this prayer that we're gonna pray here in just a minute to ask Jesus to come into my life. I wanna begin my life anew. Be the greatest honor of our lives to be able to um, join together with you in that decision and start that journey towards bearing, bearing fruit. If that's you and you say, you know what, I just need to ask Jesus into my heart today, would you pray with me? Would you just slip your hand up where you're at? Just let me recognize you and then you can put it right back down all over this room. I'll wait just a minute. Amen, amen. If you're joining with us online today, there's a way for you to connect with those hosts. I encourage you, just type in the, the, the chat there or, or says, hey, I wanna pray that prayer and, and, and they'll connect with you as well. It's a great opportunity for you to just change and start over afresh and anew today. Church, would you pray together with me? We're gonna pray for everybody in this room um, that, that maybe there's some that, that didn't raise their hand that should. And it's a prayer that says this, and I'll just pray and you just let this be a prayer of your heart. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for what you do in and through us. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. I accept the, the forgiveness that you purchased for me on your cross, God. God, you paid for my sins. I received that forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. God, come into my heart. I'll live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me all over this room? And as you're standing, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come to the front and to the back and to find your places. The reason why we do that is because this idea of each other and one another, it's, it's really rich. And one of the weeks in the, the coming weeks, we're gonna talk about how the scripture says, pray for one another. James's letter, he, he says to, to call the elders of the church and pray. And it's, it's a biblical thing for us to say, hey, I need someone to join arms and hearts together. And we're going to do that today. We do that every week. We just want to get this elelon, this one another, this each other. We want to do that well. And so when we're dismissed here in a minute, if you would like for someone to pray together with you, man, don't, don't miss an opportunity. We said a couple weeks ago that we're going to be brief and here, and we are trying to be a little bit shorter so that you'll have opportunity in the, the lobbies to connect with each other. Do it. Don't just take an opportunity to, to, to beat the Baptist to lunch, right? You know, I, I get it. But, but, but stay and, and connect with each other and, uh, and show some love. Maybe you need to restore a relationship. Do that. And God will, God will get glory from that. He will. And his church will be shown to have fruit by our love for each other. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in your coming and going. And may you be a reflection of his grace 
and show some fruit to the people in your community and the families and all over the triad. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. God bless you.